Hello and welcome to House Calls. I'm Vivek Murthy and I have the honor of serving as U.S. Surgeon General. I'd like to introduce you to my friends Sunny Kishore and Dave Chokshi. Today we'll be talking about our moai, a friendship tradition from Okinawa, Japan, which we've adopted for our friendship. Here on House Calls, we've talked a lot about loneliness, connection, and friendship. There are so many kinds of friendship and connection, with old friends, colleagues, neighbors, and I'm always interested in what other people's friendships really look like. That curiosity inspired my decision to share a friendship of my own. In today's episode, I'm joined by my friends Sunny and Dave. Together we have what's called a moai. Moais are a tradition from Okinawa, Japan. It's a support group that starts in childhood. Young children are grouped together in a moai and make a commitment to each other for life. Over the years, moais meet regularly. Moais offer emotional and moral support, and the effect on people's health can be remarkably positive. In Okinawa, where people are known for their longevity, some moais have lasted for over 90 years. I'm really excited to share this conversation with all of you, to invite you into the sacred space that I share with my moai as we talk about the power of being seen and heard, and being valued for who you are. I hope this inspires you to build and strengthen connections in your own life. As always, we're eager to hear your feedback and questions about this episode. You can email us at housecalls at hhs.gov. I am so excited for this episode of House Calls. This is a very special episode where we have two incredibly special guests who mean a great deal to me in my life. And I'm about to introduce them to you, but before I do, let me just tell you that this episode is about moais. That's a term many of you may not be familiar with, but it's spelled M-O-A-I, and it refers uh, to a, a, I would think of it as a special bond, you know, between friends, a construct that draws from Okinawan tradition, uh, and one that we're going to talk about today. The reason we're doing this episode, though, is because we have gotten so many questions about moais. I've mentioned them in the past on the road. I've talked about them in some of the publications that we've put out recently on loneliness and isolation. And so many people have asked, what is this moai that you talk about that's changed your life so fundamentally? How can we learn about it? How can we build our own moai? So I thought, what better way to discuss that and answer those questions than by inviting my two moai brothers on so that we could let you know firsthand what the experience has been like. And we'll also talk a little bit about how to think about starting your own moai. So without further ado, let me introduce um, the two members of my Moai, who I call brothers, who have been incredible forces in my life these last few years, uh, Sunny Kishore and Dave Chokshi. Uh, Sunny and Dave, welcome to the podcast. So excited to be here, Vivek. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Thank you both. Thank you both so much for doing this. Uh, And just to tell everyone who's joining, uh, who's joining us here, a little bit about your backgrounds. Uh, Sonny is a uh, is a doctor. Dave is a doctor as well. We both, we all three of us, sort of overlapped in various points during our medical school training, and then uh, at points in residency as well. Uh, We were part of a joint fellowship together, which is how uh, the three of us met. Although Sonny and Dave knew each other before from college days, Uh, but I will say that it's not until we started our Moai that we both. Uh, that all three of us actually became incredibly close uh, and came to play the role in each other's lives that we'll talk about today. Um, and so I'm eager for us to to jump into this. Um, let me let me first just just start by asking the you know each of you well, what you're grateful for today. Uh, there's a lot that's going on in our lives. Life is crazy. I know we were in touch over text over the weekend. Uh, but tell me one thing you're grateful for today. Sunny, after you. All right, brother. Um, I am grateful for the idea that we can do conversations like this. It's sort of like love in the public square. And no matter what, we can always kind of stand and embrace that uh, publicly. Mm, Beautiful. I really resonate with that. Um, Well, first, of course, I'm so grateful for our moai. Um, It's been such a source of uh, not just support, but strength uh, for me over the years. Um, and particularly so over the last couple of years. Uh, and the other thing that I'm feeling particularly grateful for is um, just uh, being in a place with my my family where uh, I feel extraordinarily fortunate um, to have the time that I do with the people that I love the most. 
Beautifully said, Dave. And, and as for me, you know, I, I'm today in particular, just really grateful for the love I have in my life from family and friends. I spent Father's Day with my father and with the rest of my family, which is unusual. I don't always get to be with my dad uh, in Miami during Father's Day, but uh, I, we were all able to be together. And I woke up this morning knowing that I was going to speak with both of you. And when I think of both of you, I think about, gosh, so much that we've been through over the last five years, hard decisions that we've helped each other make in our work lives and our personal lives. Um, and I just feel so grateful to both of you. So even just seeing both of you puts me in a good place. So I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> for this time we've got together. And I want to start by digging into what a MOI is uh, for those who may not be familiar. And let me start here. And, and Sunny Dave, please, please chime in. But as, as we all know, a Moai is a, is a tradition uh, that draws from Okinawa. It was started there a long time ago. But it's a tradition where a group of young people come together, and they make an explicit commitment to be there for one another in the future, no matter what may come. You can think of it as an explicit commitment to have each other's backs. And that, has, that tradition has morphed and changed and shifted over the years in Okinawa. But it's a tradition I learned about from Dan Butner, who wrote the book Blue Zones, and who studied Okinawa as a place uh, that has an unusual number of people who live to the age of 100 and beyond. And so he sought to, do, to look into what exactly they were doing that made them so healthy and contributed to this longevity. And their social ties were one of them. And that's where he, he uncovered and discovered, I should say, uh, the Moai tradition helped many others in the world, like me, learn about it. So you know, th that is what the Moai is. But Sonny, Dave, let me, let me turn it to you. Like, what is the Moai? Uh, sort of how, how do you define it when friends ask you what this is? Well, one of the phrases that comes to mind for me, which all three of us have used, is that um, it's it's kind of being primary care friends. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'm a primary care doctor, and um, and both Sunny and Vivek trained in primary care as well. Um, and I think we just really appreciate the idea that it's not a flash in the pan, you know, kind of uh, relationship. It is a friendship that. Um, that sustains over years. And just as, you know, we've derived inspiration from uh, that Japanese tradition of, of Moai, uh, where people, um, you know, they get together over the span of decades. Uh, I think we, um, we really appreciate that aspect of the Moai um, for the three of us as well. One of the things that it really helps us get to is there are just conversations that we can start with a lot of unspoken, um, you know, concord uh, in terms of the values that we share, in terms of what we already know about one another, you know, personality-wise and what we've struggled with. Um, and that allows us to really, you know, leap forward um, and also bring out the best in one another uh, because we've been, been there for each other in, in times thick and thin. So primary care friends. Yeah, I like that. I love that. Yeah, I think building on what Dave is saying, one analogy I've been using, I actually can't swim, so I don't know if this is the right analogy, but one analogy that I've been using is, you know, imagine an ocean. And how many times have you met with friends? You're like, you know, I, I'm so sorry, we, we need to catch up and we need to have that, we need to dig a little bit deeper. But I often find that if you're on this ocean, I'm often at the surface and like tiny, tiny ripples. And I think with the with this group, um, with Dave and Vivek, we have this opportunity to just like learn to swim, learn to dive little by little, and then it builds up upon each other. And then I started to ask like, what's behind that? And I think it's this idea of reciprocity. Because one person shares, and in some friendships, you may feel, and for folks listening out there, that it could be asymmetric. Um, maybe even transactional. And I think here, it somehow feels just different. There's a reciprocity, there's a love, there's a genuine wish for progress in each other that I just think is really um, sacred in a way. And it's definitely allowed me to swim and go a little bit deeper than I would. And you know, Sonia, that word you just used at the end, sacred, that just gave me chills because I feel like that so accurately describes the place that the Moai has come to occupy in my life. Like it is so fundamental now that to how I operate and 
to how I, I course correct to how I recenter myself. Um, I do feel like it's sacred. And, and one thing I also just want to mention about the Moai is, is how it's about making implicit commitments explicit, right? I, I would say like before the three of us formed our Moai, we would have counted each other as good friends, right? We would have uh, said that, yeah, you know, I, I would have said, I love Dave. I love Sonny. They're fantastic people. I love hanging out and spending time with them. Yet we weren't occupying the kind of place in each other's lives that we occupy now, even though every time we got together, we would say, gosh, I, wouldn't it be great to spend more time together? Um, which leads me to how our Moai started, like in the first place. And uh, do either of you want to tell that story? I think you should tell it, V. <laughs> Okay, well, this is 2018. Sunny, Dave, and I are at a retreat. Uh, I'm about a year out from my first stint uh, serving as a Surgeon General. And at that time in between, uh, where I had become a private citizen again, that was a really tough time. Uh, it was rocky. I wasn't sure what I was doing in my life. Uh, I wasn't, I was wrestling with issues around identity. Uh, I was feeling lost, you know, to put it simply. And lost, and I would say lonely as well. Uh, because I had, for all the reasons that I've, you know, I've talked about in prior episodes, I've, you know, I was really struggling without the kind of connections I had in earlier times in my life because I'd largely neglected my friendships during my time as Surgeon General. So I was lost, I was lonely, and I come to this retreat and I meet Sonny and Dave, and we decide to blow off one of the sessions that was scheduled and just take a walk together uh, around a lake uh, that was on the retreat property. And at the end of that that walk, I remember us saying, gosh, it would be great if we could see each other like more often. And I think we all sort of realized two things. One is that we were in a somewhat similar place of trying to figure out things in our life and, and wanting more connections uh, than we were experiencing. So a little bit lost, a little bit lonely, perhaps. But I think we all realized in that moment that just saying, I wish we could see mm -hmm. each other more often wasn't going to make it happen. And so what we did at the end of that walk is something that um, I'm so grateful for, which is we made an explicit commitment to each other that we would video conference about once a month, uh, that we would do so for a couple of hours, and that during that time that we would be fully present with each other. We wouldn't be distracted by our devices. And we would also be honest with each other and open about what was really on our minds, including the things that friends don't always get to talk about or sometimes feel squeamish about talking about, like our insecurities or our health or our finances. And all of that, uh, you know, it was what came to fruition in the months that followed. And I'm so grateful to both of you, number one, for just for, for all of us being on the same page about wanting to make that explicit commitment, but for also just sticking to it. Uh, and I'll lastly say that one of the key parts of it was it wasn't just about uh, once a month. It was an in-between when we needed each other or when something happened in our life, whether it was something exhilarating or something deeply troubling or whether it was something that was confusing to us, we would reach out to each other. We would have spontaneous Moai calls sometimes, or we would just help each other out uh, over text or over email. We would look at documents that each other had drafted for work. We would do all kinds of things to help one another. But that support system uh, just came to mean everything to me. But what's, what's but that's my memory. For all I know, your memories are totally different about how it started. So <laughs> what do you recall? I'll just add a little bit. I think that was really well described, Vivek. And um, I mean, I, I just remember that walk that we took together in Colorado, you know, where um, where the idea came about in the first place. Uh, I remember it so vividly because uh, because it was just a beautiful moment. And uh, maybe I have a little bit of a unique vantage point because I was lucky enough to be, you know, friends with with both of you um, even uh, even before that. But um, but the Moai really added something where uh, the sum was much greater than the parts. Uh, and I think the chemistry, you know, and the sort of the unique attributes that each of us brings to our conversations is uh, is part of what what has made that work. Um, I also just, you know, for people who are hearing this and maybe thinking, well, it sounds wonderful, but like, how did how did that actually happen? You know, I want to just build on a little bit of of what Vivek was saying about what those early months, you know, after um, our initial walk together looked like. And you know, it didn't happen instantaneously where we had you know all of this sort of trust and the reciprocity that Sunny describes. Um, for me, it felt like 
what I think of as a slippery slope of vulnerability. Um, you know, each of us kind of gingerly extended ourselves by sharing something that was uh, that was very private, that felt difficult, you know, to to confide in someone else about. Um, you know, aspects of our lives that we felt some shame about or were just really, you know, worried about how they would be perceived. Um, but as each of us, you know, decided to do that, that sort of opened up the permission for, um, you know, for for uh, Sonny or Vivek, um, you know, to do the same. And so that's what led to uh, to that slippery slope of vulnerability where now, you know, five years later, we can look back and say, this is such a unique space where we feel very comfortable in sharing some of our, you know, most innermost feelings. Yeah, very, very little to add on what on what Dave and Vivek have mentioned. Um, the one thing I will say is that there was a component of vulnerability that we often talk about, but can sometimes feel forced. And for all those out there listening. I think one of the questions is, and I think just to name it for Vivek, is I think it's helpful to have someone just try to catalyze it and say, imagine if we could do this. Because honestly, if Vivek had not proposed that, I don't know if we would be sitting here. So sometimes it takes one person. And so if you're out there and you're like, boy, I'm just feeling, you know, a question is that if you wanted to go to a movie tonight, would you have someone to call? If you had something come up health-wise, would there be someone that you could confide in? If the answer is, I don't know. You know, my, my mom often says in life, you, you know, you can sometimes count on the number of your fingers, the people that you can actually truly count on when in times of need. If you do that finger exercise and you're coming up short, um, as I sometimes have, I think it's okay to give your permission to be the Vivek and to put yourself out there. Um, and I... It brings me back, we're, we're all of South Asian heritage. There's this idea of namaste, which means my soul honors your soul. And so it's past the body, it's past the sort of exterior. I sometimes call it like the mask that we sometimes wear, especially in public service or leadership. There's something deeper and inside. And just to try to get to that, I think would be the key. Yeah, and I, I like how both of you describe this it's this has really been an exercise for me of taking that mask off of just trying to really show up as who i am even when it's scary even when it feels uncomfortable uh, even if, when it feels embarrassing like i'm talking about something that i may be ashamed of or that i haven't done well um and that i feel like i should have done better on so that feels real but the the deepening also over time i think is so important dave that you mentioned that because um you know, it's not like magic from day one, but it becomes deeper and deeper and deeper as time goes on. I, I want to also just for, for those who are wondering, like the nuts and bolts of what this looks like, to just talk for a moment about how how we set these up, right? So, um, you know, we we sort of settled on trying to do once a month, you know, on average. Sometimes we, you know, it's more frequent. Sometimes it's less frequent than that. Um, and usually, you know, a call is triggered by. One of us, you know, just reaching out saying, "Hey, you know, are you any? Is it, are, can we do a Moai call this weekend or or next weekend, and then we'll work on scheduling it?" Um, but there are, and during that time, during that Moai call, we we used to do a round robin where we went around and, and each person sort of talked about where they were in their life, how they were feeling, what was on their mind, what was bothering them, and where they could raise questions uh, to the group about personal or work stuff uh, or spiritual things or any question that really comes up. Um, and I think over time, you know, that's evolved too. You know, sometimes we focus, and more recently, we focus more on one or two people uh, for, uh, you know, a, a given session uh, that we have, depending on who's got something that's big that might be happening in their life at that time. Um, but what I like also are the in-betweens, you know, because I feel like that's really evolved a lot for us, the spontaneous uh, outreach that we do when we're sharing like a moment of joy or a concern or... Um, you know, like I remember, you know, Dave, you recently had something that you wrote that I thought was, uh, you know, really brilliant when you gave us a chance to read it. And I know Sunny did too, but you sent that to us just to get some input, you know, on it and to, to ask like, hey, does this really reflect me? Is this my voice coming through? Um, I, I'll share the one moment I will always remember that both of you helped me through was during that 
uh, time when I was in between government stints, I was approached about a job. Uh, and it was a job that, it was a big job, it was a fancy job, uh, and I was lo- feeling lost at the time, and so I was drawn toward it, and I brought it up to you guys, and I could actually feel internally that I was trying a little bit to sell it to you, you know, as like, <laughs> hey, this is what I should do, right, right, Dave, right, Sonny? <laughs> and you listened so patiently, as you always do, and you pause, and at the end, you both said, you know what, you're saying all the right words, but you don't really sound excited about it. It sounds like something's missing here. And you helped me realize one of the most important things ever about that job and a good filter for life in general and looking at opportunities, which is you helped me realize this is a would be a great job to get, but not a great job to do. And that and that was an important distinction for me because I realized that just meeting that momentary uh, you know, sort of like pain or angst I had around the uncertainty in my life, that that wasn't the big solution. You know, that I also needed to be doing something that I truly love that was a good match for me. Um, but those stand out to me as great examples of how the spontaneous outreach we've had in between uh, have been really pivotal, uh, at least for me, in helping shape decisions I made at work and then also at home. Because there have been some times, just to be open here, where, you know, I've struggled uh, in terms of my role at home, where I felt like I have not. Uh, been doing as much as I need to, you know, uh, you know, on the home front and where I've allowed uh, too much, you know, to fall into Alice's shoulders in terms of home responsibilities. And I felt guilty about that. I felt bad about that, a bit ashamed about that and have tried to figure out how to course correct. And and bringing that up with both of you um, to just game plan and strategize about that has been really helpful. Uh, and you've been like incredible accountability partners in keeping me honest. So those are a few moments that stand out to me where our Moai has made such a difference. Uh, are there moments that stand out for both of you where the Moai made a big difference in your lives? All right, I'll go for it, Dave. Um, you know, I think one that comes to mind, there's so many, it's almost like a feeling that you get. Um, and it's interesting, the, I was thinking about those moments when we reach out to one another, there's often no agenda. Uh, it's just, we feel like we need a moicha and then we will just sort of take it from there kind of ad hoc. And it just speaks to kind of the sustenance and um, kind of food for the soul that, that this provides. Um, you know, for me, I think it comes related to identity. I, you know, I stepped away from clinical medicine uh, to just say it out loud, this is something that I've you know struggled with, but I think I was just burnt out. And um, you know, I, I think the the feelings of shame, the feelings of you know, I, I'm supposed to be really good at this, and and then I, for a moment, I, you know, to just resonate with what you're saying earlier, Vivek, I felt lost for a bit. And I think you know, part of that meeting in Colorado was in that in that era. Um, and then you know, slowly, slowly. I, I, you know, you sometimes have these paper cuts to the soul, and then you realize that some of the healing is from your friends and colleagues um, and family. Uh, and so with the support of Biva, my, my partner, um, my family, uh, decided to go back to clinical medicine. And I thought this was an interesting conversation with you both. I remember it pretty vividly. It wasn't like a rubber stamp. Um, it was actually one of critical que- interrogation first. And so I think this is important. The Moy is not just like, yay, like great job and validation all the time. It's about accountability. And you have to have that trust uh, to get there. Um, and the question was, why? Why do you want to go uh, and be a clinician and see patients again, Sonny? Like, where is that coming from? Um, and we sorted through that. Um, it, would, it would involve pretty significant life changes. Um, you know, my mother and father, incredible clinicians from India. Uh, my little brother, Sanjay, and his partner, Margaret, were going to be in training too. So I had this moment, but it would involve kind of uprooting our lives. Um, and I would have to go back into training and there'd be financial implications, maybe like status, for lack of a better word. I would have to I would have to sacrifice a fair bit to, to sort of, um, and some of my colleagues would said, you know, you're foolish to kind of go backwards. Um, and so after we had gone through that with both of you, you then gave me the space to believe that I could do it. Um, and then after several years away, 
could realize that like I was healed and to go back um, and train. Um, and I remember during COVID, uh, you both had sort of public positions and were leading New York City and the nation. Um, it was really hard. Um, it was really hard. I, and I, I would share cases. I would text you. I would do so many things. And to, I remember even after a patient passed away, it was a young patient. I remember going to the chapel and just sitting by myself. I texted Viva. I texted my parents. I texted... And then I texted you guys and it just in those moments when you feel helpless, having you guys there almost uh, like companions to, to sort of believe and keep going. Um, and, and now, you know, it sort of got me through a critical phase. I feel so much more comfortable in my skin. Um, I, was told by a lot of folks to sort of inhabit a different identity. My full name is Sandeep, and so it's a formal place. But now I told my patients, call me Dr. Sunny. And that was in part inspired by the love and encouragement to be myself from both of you. Um, so both from life changes, professional changes, and honestly, you know, being able to go within myself um, and, and feel who I really am, uh, the Moy gets a lot of credit for that. It's so powerful, Sonny. And just, I mean, hearing you tell those stories again, it um, it's really moving. And, uh, you know, I, I think Vivek would say something similar, like it's just been a privilege to get to accompany you um, and and be a small part of that journey, which is uh, another reason that the Moai is so fulfilling, you know, to just be able to witness that and the courage and the um, it's inspiring, you know, for, for us to, to just be along for, um, you know, for, for those difficult moments and, uh, the ways in which you've been able to, um, you've been able to become yourself, you know, like who you are authentically. And I think, you know, as both of you have alluded to, that's like a real function of the Moai is to remind us of who we are, particularly when we forget, um, it's one of my favorite, you know, definitions of friendship. And I think it takes, you know, the primary care friends, like this really deep relationship um, where even when we ourselves are unmoored by whatever the forces are, you know, in our life, the external circumstances, um, centering ourselves is something that that our friends, you know, through the Moai, uh, are, are, that's, you know, something that they're able to help us with. And I, you know, I remember that too, in so many of the toughest moments, certainly during the pandemic, um, I, I guess the one, you know, the one that comes to mind for me is I remember, um, it was just two days after I had started my, my new job, you know, serving as, um, health commissioner for the city. And I came in under charged circumstances and, um, you know, I was encountering a team, a staff who were, perhaps, you know, rightfully a bit skeptical of of this new leader um, that was coming in. And I remember spending an entire day, you know, writing my first remarks um, for an all-staff town hall. And you guys were the ones that I shared that with, who I spoke with, you know, um, as I was turning them over in my mind uh, and help me to make sure that that was coming again from a place of, uh, of authenticity, um, so that people could, could feel, you know, like where my head was at and what I was thinking about. So, um, so it's those toughest moments where, you know, the Moai has been so critical for each of us. I also just want to give a flavor for the fact that, um, it's also, it's also the most, um, joyful moments, you know, that I think about the Moai. Uh, and one, one concept, you know, is uh, it's the antithesis of schadenfreude, freudenfreude. Um, and this is something that I think everyone should aspire to, you know, have friends, whether it's a, a Moai or otherwise, but friends for whom you genuinely feel unbridled joy at their success. Uh, and I think that that's where we've been able to get to and why I want to share, you know, in a very just sort of plain way when I feel good about something that's happening in my in my life because 
um, because I know it's something that will be uh, welcomed and embraced. Um, and reciprocally, you know, I, I feel that way uh, anytime one of you shares something good um, that's happening in your lives. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's the lowest moments um, and also you know the the highest moments for um, you know for us to experience together. There's one last thing that I just wanted to mention briefly, which is maybe some people are wondering, well, how does this relate to family? And, you know, isn't like what we're describing, what family members, like the roles that family members usually play in people's lives. And I think all three of us are lucky to have, you know, such supportive families, um, partners, you know, parents, siblings who are just truly always in our corner. Um, but there is one thing that feels a little bit different about our moai, which is one of the challenging aspects of family is that it's sometimes hard to reinvent yourself when it comes to your own family, right? Like they've known you <laughs> longer than you've known yourself, actually, in some cases. And so you sometimes get pigeonholed into a particular identity or, you know, like just get chalked up for a narrative that, um, you know, that, that they've already established for you. And the Moai is different in that it is deliberately about saying, no, you are an individual who can change with time. And in fact, we love what we've seen when you have been able to change, you know, and we have helped you to embrace that change. And so in that way, it does feel a little bit different than um, than family because we are deliberately trying to help one another become different selves and, you know, optimally better selves. Yeah, that is so well put about the reinvention piece because it does feel like we need to reinvent ourselves periodically, at least re-examine ourselves. And sometimes that's challenging to do in existing long-standing relationships that we have with family. But speaking of family, though, I do want to ask both of you how being in the Moai has impacted your family. You know, like we're, we're, we're all married and we have spouses that we're very committed to that we want to spend time with. We have extended family we want to be with. Dave and I both have, have kids as well. You know, being the time with the Moai is decidedly time that we're not spending elsewhere, right? And so I'm just curious, though, like, uh, how have your families reacted to your being in the Moai? And have they seen any changes or differences in you that they've mentioned? Yeah, I'm happy to start on this one, Sunny. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think what uh, what my wife, Mela, reflects back is that I get buoyed by our Moai mm -hmm. sessions. You know, I, I actually, like, come away from them lighter and often inspired by both of you. Um, and so it does, you know, it does come at a, like we have so many demands on our time as partners, as parents, all of it. Um, but, you know, but, but it does feel like a place for us to recharge, you know, to derive energy so that we are better for all of those other relationships as well. And I think, you know, by this point, because we have, you know, encountered some difficult decisions that we've all had to talk through together, um, you know, again, like my my partner, Mela, and my parents are often, and my sister, you know, they're the ones who I often turn to for those, some of those toughest decisions. But now part of that conversation is, well, what did Sonny and Vivek <laughs> think, you know, because they know that, um, that the Moai has been a part of it as well. And the respect, you know, that I feel for both of you has kind of been extended uh, into the entire family. Yeah, that's really, that's really on point. I mean, I, I think the only thing I would add is it, there's an element in which members of the family can also become part of a Moy in, in ways. So I know, um, when Alice and Vivek come out to California, we make it a point to to go visit. Dave and Mela, um, and the beautiful daughter Ava, came to stay with us in California. And having these sort of dyads and spouse, like partner moais as well, there's just so much trust and love there. And it gets to what Dave often calls not just the day one conversations, but the day two or day three conversations. But all the stuff Vivek was saying about marriage equity 
but are we are we showing up in the right way? Um, wh where are the tolls and the hidden taxes? Um, and I think that's really really important uh, to un to kind of uncover and discuss. And related to that, you know, I know my brother Sanjay. Um, he you know started an incredible project with um, uh, his partner Margaret down with Brian Stevenson in Alabama, and he views both of you um, as another Anna, like uh, an older brother. Yeah, he um, he will often say, "Well, this is what Dave said. Or this is what Vivek said," and um, and so I think there's an element in which. There is a blurring of the boundaries at times between the family and the Moai, and that is in some ways keeping with the Okinawan tradition, right? That like these boundaries in some ways are artificial. Um, and if we're truly talking about social and human connection, like an elemental thing, then um, you know you you don't just need blood to be family. It is. I gotta say, like our spouses feeling good about our participation in the Moai and being able to just see the impact it's made on us. Like if that has been so powerful and, and helpful, honestly, like for me too, because Alice has been so like kind and supportive and always making sure that if, you know, I need some time to talk to the Moai that, that, that I get, you know, that we make that time. Uh, and I think it's because she's also seen the impact uh, that it's had on me. And every time we get together and I hang up the phone, I'm, I just have this like this thought like, gosh, what if we had not made that explicit commitment to one another? Like all of this extraordinary change and power and beauty and this like positive force in my life wouldn't necessarily be there. And it, it reminds me just as I think about other dimensions of life of the power of taking an implicit commitment and making it explicit. You know, if, uh, I think when, when the three of us got married to our spouses, that was actually an example, right? Of taking an implicit commitment that we, had to them already by that time as partners and making it explicit, you know, through this incredible ceremony. But in some ways, I think with our Moai, what we did is we we made explicit our commitment as friends uh, to one another, and that helped us be more present for each other. I think it was in, in, incredibly powerful. I also just want to draw draw attention to just one word that you that the three of us use often when we refer to each other, which is uh, the term brother. Right? We we actually refer to each other as brothers, and. Um, I think, Sunny, I think you may have started that. I, I think, I'm not sure, maybe you did, Dave, I can't remember. But it, it definitely wasn't me, but I'm, I was so glad to adopt it because it describes so perfectly, I feel like, the relationship we built, which, as you said, Sunny, is like that blurring of lines between friendship and family. I mean, you both are my brothers. You are family to me, and um, you're the ones that I, I look to during good times and bad. And, and last week, actually, something happened, which reminded me of how much you were family, which is that something good happened to me at work. And it was the kind of thing where like, I never tell people when good things happen to me, like, with the exception of my parents, you know, and my sister. And now, you know, since I got married, Alice, but like, never, ever, like, you know, shared, I'm like, you know, I want to be like, immodest, or I don't want to, like, you know, make it seem like I'm tooting my horn or this or that or whatever, but my parents will understand and they'll feel genuinely pr proud or happy on my behalf, right? Um, so that's why I share with them. But this thing happened at work, and I actually texted both of you, and I shared it with you. And and you were both, of course, just as you always are, just so encouraging and so thoughtful. But it was one of those moments where, where I, I was reminded, Sunny and Dave truly are family now, because I would never, ever, like, share this, you know, with uh, with anyone else. So mm. that was a powerful moment. I, I love that. And, you know, what it makes me think of, you know, what you're invoking is the the unconditionality of it, mm. you know, and... um you know, just, just the idea that the reason that we often don't share that and in, in the really great example that you just gave Vivek, the internal monologue is often, oh, you know, what will others think if I, if I say this, it will come across as boasting or arrogant or, you know, whatever. And so let me just keep it to myself. And mm. the internal monologue changes as a result of the depth of our friendship in the Moai to, well, I know, I know the, that Sonny and Dave are not going to think those things about me. And in fact, they'll share this joy. Like this will make, this will genuinely make them happy, you know, to hear about it as well. Um, and so I, I think that's tied to the, the unconditionality, you know, of our friendship. It's interesting. I mean, I'm just like thinking this through as we're talking. It's this really unique mix of 
of, you know, unconditional love for one another with accountability. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we both, we have both of those things and they actually are mutually reinforcing in a beautiful way. You know, we can say, look, when one of us falls short or when one of us is feeling dejected and wants to like change that, um, we can provide a bit of accountability in terms of, okay, well, what are the things that, um, you know, that, that you're going to do as a result of this? And then we'll come back and ask about them, you know, there'll be a text a week later or, you know, we'll raise it at our next Moai call. Um, and so it's, I, I think it's a combination of those things. And I just have to share one other thing that that brought to mind for me, which is I'm realizing that some of the best some of the things that I want to impart to my own daughter, um, you know, like I, Mela and I have a tradition of telling her when we're dropping her off in the mornings to school, we tell her three things. We say, be gentle and kind, ask good questions, and have fun. And, you know, I think both of you exemplify you know, those, those elements. And, and that has helped me to hone what I want to, you know, to pass on to, to my daughter as well. Dave, I had no that's idea so, that that's what you said to Milo yeah. when you dropped her off. That's, that's so beautiful. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Sunny, did you know that? I did not know that. I, uh, wow. I, I was thinking though, just this conversation made me think about the feeling that you were describing Dave and Vic about when we hang up, like, what is that? And so I, I asked Biva to unpack it one time. And I was like, if you, if you had to just give a one line on why it is that I feel lighter and that I'm smiling. Um, and it was the idea that you feel heard, you feel understood, and you feel that you could be, you don't have to pretend your authentic self. And I think when people are thinking about starting a group like this, one question that I would just have is like, where can you just be you, right? Like get off the pre, like you don't have, there's no agenda, no transaction, just where can you be yourself? And so I feel with both of you, you can just, it's a 360 and can just be. And I, I don't know, it's almost like a stethoscope for the soul or something. Like it just, you, you, you guys have a way. And it brings me to the second point. And I think I really learned this from watching Mela, um, which is one of the biggest gifts that you could give somebody is simply your presence and attention. Um, especially, you know, a lot of the work that Vivek's done at national level, we were seeing that our attention can be pulled in so many ways, devices or just multitasking. And just sitting for an hour and bearing witness and listening, I think I've learned so much on how to do that from both of you. Because um, I, I think that's something that you guys are just incredible listeners and the questions you ask. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to, to feed that back. Yeah, and I, I think you're both you're both just highlighting, I think, something that's so important in how the Moai conversations work, which is it's not just the three of us going around and talking, talking, talking about what's happening in our lives, right? I think the three big elements that you both mentioned are listening, asking thoughtful questions, and follow-up, right? Those three things are so mm -hmm. vital. And I think that the deep listening that I've, that both of you do so well is something I've learned from. Uh, I think that being with both of you in the Moai has made me a better listener uh, and has also, I think, pushed me to ask the kind of thoughtful questions that both of you ask of me all the time, which pushed me to go like levels deeper than what I normally, uh, you know, do when I'm just sharing what's on the top of my mind. But the follow-up, I'd say that's probably where I've learned the most from both of you because it's those texts afterwards uh, that you send following up. Like Sunny, you're, you're, I feel like you particularly do this well for me and Dave, which is that yeah. you'll periodically just send texts saying, hey, checking in, how's everyone doing? You know, like if, I, if I was struggling with something about like, let's say my health, you know, and like getting on the right, sticking to the right, like exercise and diet plan, you'll say, hey, how are things going uh, with that specific challenge? You know, if Dave was wrestling with something, you'll ask him specifically about that. But that kind of follow-up is so important because it, it give, it's the thread that keeps the Moai going in between the calls that we have. And mm. um, I just think that that is incredibly powerful. And, and one last thing I'll just say about what you just said, Sunny, the, about Biva's observation about why you feel light 
after the Moai about the power of being seen. This really resonates with me because I, I feel like in retrospect, I, I spent years of my life trying to be someone that I thought that the world valued, right? Somebody who mm. achieved certain things, who achieved, made certain contributions that would be lauded or appreciated by the world. I was trying to be someone who I thought the world wanted. And I felt like I was hustling all the time. And I hear this so often from young people around the country that they feel caught up in this hustle. And the question is like, what are we chasing? Like, what exactly are we chasing? Is it the right thing? And, and you both have, have pushed me to really grapple with that question of what am I chasing? You know, am I chasing what really matters uh, in life? And I feel like the only times where you can really grapple with that question is when you know that you can be yourself, when you can be in a safe, comfortable space to truly be open and vulnerable. And so uh, I just, I think knowing that we are enough in our Moai circle has made, opened up a world of possibility in terms of reflection, in terms of honesty, and in terms of accountability. And that's, that's really changed my life. Mm. I'm, I'm glad we got, we got a bit tactical as well. You know, I think you guys have put out the big, the big questions, you know, related to how does the Moai work? Um, and so just to echo, you know, what both of you had, have already said, it's about creating a space where, where you can be you, um, where your authentic self is valued. Um, and then as Sunny said, it's about having the person who's just the catalyst, you know, to, uh, to create that space as Vivek was for us. Um, and I guess the other, you know, piece that I would add to, to get even more tactical is then it's about like no wrong door to communication. We have a very mm -hmm. multimodal, you know, uh, way of keeping in touch. So we have a text chain going. Um, we, we have our monthly Moai calls. Um, we try to get together in person once a year. You know, sometimes that's mm -hmm. been difficult over the last few years, but, um, but we all derive, you know, so much benefit from that. So, um, so again, you know, despite all of our other obligations, you know, we, we make space for that as well. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and the check-in text that Vivek was describing that Sunny is particularly good at, they're so important because it's, it, it just gives you permission to, you know, to respond with whatever happens to be on your mind. It's like this always-on reminder that the Moai is there for you. Um, so, you know, again, for people who are thinking about, oh, this, this sounds, you know, great. I'm glad that Dave, Vivek, and Sunny have this, but like, how do I forge something like this in my own life. Those are, um, those are, I think, the most important tangible steps that one can take to, um, to try to do something similar. And Dave, building on that, and uh, interested what you and Sunny would say to, to folks who are looking to start their own Moai, who are even asking, is this the right thing for me to do? Um, how do you suggest that people go about identifying the right people to be a part of their Moai? And then how should they approach those people? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, I think, yeah, flowing from what we were just saying, usually there are people in our lives, right, who we, um, we reach out to in our most difficult moments. And I think that should be the starting point. You know, who, um, you know, who is already there for us? Uh, and how do we forge a stronger connection to them? Um, I think that's a really, you know, key element. And then the other thing that comes to mind is who has taken the time to listen and understand who I truly am? Um, and that's sometimes a harder one to solve for. Uh, but I think that's really the secret sauce, you know, in terms of why it works so well in our case, um, as we've already described. And because I think it just generates this alignment between who we want to be and who we actually are. Um, and it takes someone who uh, who both understands like what makes us tick, um, but whom we uh, respect and love enough to be able to to seed a bit of our own identity, I guess, is the way that I would put it, and say, 
well, there is more that I that I want. You know, there might be more professionally, but also more importantly, I want to be better. You know, for my relationships, particularly for the people that I love the most. So, who is it that can help me grow in that direction? Well said, Sunny. What do you think? Yeah, it's a really good question because it's it's like. One thing to say it, and then honestly, Vivek, it's another thing to do what you did and to kind of put yourself out there and be like, hey, guys, I'm feeling this. And, you know, we both could have been like, no, nah, that's cool, man. Like, we're <laughs> we're good. Right. Right. I mean, to just say it out loud, like you could have been like, well, dude, kind of, you know, but I think in Okinawa, it was like five people total starting from birth. And I think a group of three is, I think, a good number, even for scheduling purposes. So I would even just think, I mean, even one, honestly, but I think having three allows for just a little bit of being able to look around the corner in different perspectives. I think if you ask yourself, you know, just count on the number of fingers on your hand, who are folks where you feel seen and loved by? The kind of feeling that when you talk to family, maybe that you get. And in the next week after this episode comes out, make it a point to call that one person and just say, what would it look like if we had a conversation about supporting one another? Um, you know, I really care for you and I'm feeling, and what would it look like to actually put that as an accountability marker to just start? Um, so I, I think that's probably the one thing. The other thing I, I learned from Vivek on this is sometimes our calls are two hours, two and a half hours uh, on a weekend. But sometimes with friends, even those are really close. It's a weird relationship. The longer time passes and you haven't talked to them, you feel a sense of guilt or you feel like when you call them, you now have to like cover so much ground and it's going to take an hour. You're going to have to spend the first 10 minutes apologizing. And one thing I've learned from Vivek is just even a one minute call. And if someone calls and just answering the phone or just responding to that text, even for a minute to set up something later can go a really long way. And I know that I've been not so great at this. And so that's something to work on. Um, so are there folks in your life who have done that to you, have reached out, wanted to catch up, and you've just haven't had the chance because you're worried that it could take too long? That might be a good signal that that person could be a candidate for the Moi because someone's already reaching out to you. Yeah, and I would just lastly say on the logistics of setting this up that it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be overwhelming or intimidating or all or nothing. Uh, you can start uh, sort of lightly in the beginning. You can, as Sunny and Dave were saying, think about one or two people in your life that you would like to actually spend more time with or talk to more often. And then make a commitment to doing that. That could be calling uh, them once a month. That could be calling them once every two weeks, whatever frequency you think is best, but being intentional about doing that. And it could also then evolve to having a conversation with them about uh, your engagement with one another, about your friendship, and to say, hey, look, we always enjoy talking to each other. We don't get to talk to each other often enough. What if we made a commitment to actually doing that? What if we, once a month, and we may miss a month here or there, but what if we decided we're actually going to show up for each other. We're grappling with a lot of similar issues, or we can help each other in a lot of ways. And uh, we always have when we're together. And let's just make that real and, and, and happen more often in our lives. So having that explicit conversation with a friend is important. And then from there, you can figure out what rules make sense to you. I mentioned that uh, for the three of us, that we knew that we wanted to explicitly get into issues that we weren't talking about often enough with our other friends, you know, like our health and our finances and how we were managing challenges with, you know, with extended family. Um, but we also knew that, you know, we were living in worlds where we were constantly distracted by things. And we wanted that time to be time where we could truly just be there for each other, not distracted by devices or anything of that sort. So that's why we made those things actually ex explicit part of how we were going to be with one another. Uh, and I know that sometimes it can seem a little funny to be explicit about these things, but gosh, I will tell you that we have benefited so much from being explicit um, because it gave us the permission to show up for each other in a way that felt really good and to know that the other person was also going to show up, that we weren't inconveniencing the other person by calling them, like when something came up in our lives or by taking time to actually dig into something 
that was really meaty and meaningful. And and that's important because that's a big part of what holds us back a lot of times. We're not sure if the other person really wants to hear it, if we're burdening them too much. And being explicit about these commitments to one another as you build your moai uh, is a way to free yourself from that burden. It's a way to know that, yes, the other person does want to spend this time with me, hear from me, and wants to really know what's going on, not just get the masked version uh, of who I am. So, you know, as our time draws to, to a close here, I just... um. Maybe one last question I'll ask both of you, uh, and then we'll wrap. But we've, as Dave mentioned, we try to get together around once a year in person. Um, if you think about the future, and I will just say from my end that my hope is that our Moai lasts for the rest of our lives, uh, because it's been incredible these last five years, and I never want it to end. Um, but if you think about the an ideal place for us all to get together at some point in the future, like where would that be? Our dream Maui location. Well, I'll I'll go with hopefully an answer that doesn't sound too pat, but I would love for us to go to Japan, to go to Okinawa, and um, and really just you know sort of steep ourselves in that history and tradition a bit further. And I think a lot of what we've been talking about does, you know, connect to. Um, you know, to, to Asian traditions, you know, across, uh, across the continent. But, uh, I think there would be something really special about experiencing that all together. Um, so yeah. I love that. Sunny, what about you? Yeah, it's a good, I think I have a tie in my mind. Um, so I was in Nepal, um, in December and I saw a version of the Moai with my with my father-in-law. And I think having you both in Nepal, Buddha's birthplace, um, at the foothills of the Himalaya would be a really interesting place for... And I think that the second in my mind is Dave and I are both Duke grads. Um, and when we get together, we will play basketball. So it's a little known fact that like, I mean, I don't know if we're good, but we, we, we go on the court and we can shoot. Um, but it'd be fun to do it at Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, oh my and, ha- and, ha- and have a special session there. Um, yeah, that'd be Love a dream. That. Oh, my God. Th- those are great examples. I, I really have nothing to add. I would go to any of those three places with you guys. <laughs> uh, I think Okinawa would be particularly amazing for us. Um, and, you know, I've also been drawn uh, to Buddha's birthplace uh, as well. Would love to go there. Um, our basketball games, by the way, are just so much fun. And it's like <laughs> different parts of us I feel like come out on the basketball court. Um, but uh, I, any like to the, today, we've only played on like raggedy sort of courts, you know, asphalt courts, you know, that are outdoors and the random cities that we gather in to actually play in Cameron or in any like halfway decent, you know, professional or collegiate court. That would be. That would be pretty epic. So one day we will do these things. But until then, Sunny Dave, I just I can't thank you enough for not just for this conversation, but just for being my brothers, for being the force in my life that I have needed for a long time. And uh, and you showed up, you know, when I really needed you in life. And I, I will always be grateful for that. I'm a uh, I'm a better better man, a better friend a better Surgeon General, uh, a better father and husband because of you, because of our conversations. And I will just forever be grateful for you. Likewise, likewise, Vivek. I mean, what what you just said uh, is the thought that enters into my mind is, you know, the, the loose, the English translation of Moai is a support group and it is about support, but so much of it is about strength. And I hope that that is something that people take away when they hear our story is that this is a source of strength for each of us. It gives us more confidence to confront our challenges and to uh, and to inhabit our best selves. So I feel like I have a superpower because of because of you guys, because of the Moai. Hmm. Beautiful. I got nothing more to add than that. I got nothing more to add. You, it's um, it's an honor to. To just spend time with you guys as always and uh just really grateful really grateful for all that love and support well i'm grateful to both of you and for our moai and thank you again for joining me for this episode of 
of house calls. And I hope is it when people listen to this, they will not only be inspired by everything you've shared, but that they may take steps in their own life to make their friendships stronger, to perhaps make explicit commitments to one another, to maybe even begin their own Moai. And if you're out there listening and you decided that you want to build your own Moai, tell us about your experience. We're eager to hear from you. Uh, and we'll certainly ho- hope to cover uh, this topic on future episodes. So, Sunny Dave, thank you so much. Love you both. That concludes this conversation with my friends Sunny and Dave. Join me for the next episode of House Calls with Dr. Vivek Murthy. Wishing you all health and happiness.